Last time we were in Ephesians chapter 1, I gave you two verses, the very first two verses. We didn't get very far, did we? And I told you, I warned you, we may take, uh, you know, a couple months in Ephesians. Is that all right? It is a dense book. But if you get Ephesians, it's like getting a handle strapped to your Bible, theologically speaking. You'll understand the heart of your father if you can get Ephesians. It's like Romans shrunk down, condensed. Get Ephesians. So stick it out with us. If you've missed one, you can grab a CD in the uh, information room. We did two verses, verse 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints. And we highlighted that he calls us saints. And not just the saints who were at Ephesus, but this letter was probably meant to go and be spread around the whole region. It was probably passed along. This is one of the few letters where Paul doesn't mention many people by name, right? And so this is probably kind of like a letter that was meant to go to Ephesus and then go to another church and go to another church and another church and another church. Uh, in some of the manuscripts, the title Ephesus here is not even included in some of the earlier. But Ephesus was kind of the head church, and so that was probably most likely the first place it went. To the saints there and beyond to the faithful ones in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace, not just with God, but it comes from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, this week, I'm just going to give you one sentence. Can we do that? Can I just give you one sentence? Think you can handle one sentence this morning? We can bite off one sentence. So here we go. I'm going to read that one sentence. You follow along. It'll be on the screen. Grab your Bible. Here we go. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to an adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed upon us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he proposed in him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times. That is the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Now, some of you are saying, I thought we were just doing one sentence. Well, that is. Now, in your Bible, there's probably some periods sprinkled out in there somewhere, right? And you could have taken a breath. But in Paul's writing in the Greek, there is no period. That is one long sentence. My ninth grade English teacher would have marked it all up with red for run on, run on, run on. And it is. But it's an intentional run on. Paul says, I'm going to overwhelm you. 
The passage is meant to overwhelm you. You should feel like you can't get a breath at the end. Your heart should race a bit because of the sheer amount of information. And not just information, but the overwhelming amount of God's grace that is poured out in just that one thought. The explanation in those words of of the entirety of God's redemptive plan right there. A commentator, a guy named John Stott, well-known for his commentary on Ephesians, he called this run-on sentence a gateway, a golden chain, a kaleidoscope, a snowball, a racehorse, an operatic overture, and it's like the flight of an eagle. You see? You see what this is? It should make our hearts leap by the end. The amount of theology in this one sentence is enough to take us weeks to go through. I'm not going to spread it out that long, though. Not because I shy away from taking phrase by phrase. Many of you know that. We, we could spend as long as we want right here. I, I don't mind doing that. But I don't think that's the intent of Paul. I think the intent of Paul is to overwhelm us. It's to be like drinking of God's grace from a fire hose right here. You're meant to be blown away by God's eternal redemptive plan played out through Jesus Christ and sealed by the Holy Spirit. At the end, you're supposed to just sit back and say, wow. If you watched uh, what was dubbed to be one of the most watched games of the season, if not in many seasons, uh, Denver Broncos played the New England Patriots a couple weeks ago. And uh, Tim Tebow, where's he from? I don't know where's he from. No... I think he's from around St. Augustine somewhere. Anyway, he, uh, he made that a game that people wanted to watch, and the NFL knew that. And so uh, you got Tim Tebow up against uh, Tom Brady in what was bound to be uh, a loss for the Denver Broncos and Tim Tebow. But what everyone expected was is that this man who is faithful to God, that God might pull off some miracle right there on the field for Tim Tebow and the Denver Broncos, right? And so many people have been jumping on the Tebow bandwagon, like watching this guy, right? My mom, she followed me playing football uh, my whole childhood and into college, but I never remember her ever watching a football game especially a pro football game. She came to our house uh, back uh, during the holidays, and she was adamant that we'd be home so she can watch Tim Tebow, (laughs) right? At halftime of the Denver Broncos, uh, New England Patriots game, uh, not only did the NFL know that a lot of people would be watching, Focus on the Family knew that a lot of people would be watching, and if you saw it right before the second half started, Focus on the Family put on a commercial with John 3.16 quoted by a bunch of little kids, and these little kids, they just kept repeating, you know, the John 3.16, for God so loved, and then another kid, for God so loved. And they went through the whole thing and the whole thing, and they got to the very end. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should love him... What is it? I'm getting confused. It's kind of like the national anthem, you know. I was thinking about this during Amazing Grace. It's one of those where you could just mess it all up. We say it so many times. For God so loved the world, where's Q? He would do it for me. But have everlasting life. At the end of it, at the end of it, you know the way they, they, they capped off the whole thing? There was this little girl and her eyes got real big and blown away by just that one verse. She said, wow, wow. And I, and I almost teared up just because, I mean, that's, that's it. Wow. That's what you're intended to do after reading these verses 
after reading this run-on sentence, you're just supposed to say, wow, God, my, my creator did that, did all that for me. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, all three parts of the Trinity, they did, they did all that for me. If you want a title for this sermon, uh, put it in your bulletin there. Knee Deep in Grace. It's like a flood of the grace of God. Paul's going to call them the riches of his grace. That by the time you're done, even with these first few verses, you feel like you're just being flooded. That you could barely stand. Because the grace of God is so, so deep. And what you know is, is that the grace of God is always designed to point to who? God. Keep that in mind. Paul goes to great lengths to say, look at what God has done. Take the attention off of us and put the focus on him. Um, if you want to separate this out, I gave you a, a little bit of an outline there in your bulletin. You can put those verses, that one run-on sentence, into three parts. Part one, verses three through six, you see what the Father's plan is. The Father has an eternal, sovereign plan that started long before you and I were ever around. But the Son has a part in it as well. The Son's provision, verses 7 through 12. And then the Spirit's peace, 13 and 14. Let's jump in here. And uh, while I could spend weeks and weeks just on each one of these phrases, let's attempt to just get it in chunks right here. And just let God blow you away. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, we thank you for your word and that it is alive. And Lord, I pray that it would be a raging river into our soul this morning. That the plan of our creator, that you, our sovereign God, would open our hearts to the flood of your love. From age to age, from eternity past and eternity future, might we be overwhelmed. And might we do what, only, uh, what is only right in the end. Might we praise the glory of your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is going to start in worship. Bless the father of this guy, Jesus. Paul's met Jesus. And he steps back here and he says, Praise the father of this son. If this son has done what he's done, the plan of the father must be even more magnificent. I've seen the son bless the one who sent him. Amen? That's where Paul starts. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what he has done. Here's why Paul blesses him and here's why we should bless him. Because he has first what? Blessed us. The word blessed means it's a conference of something. Freely. It's a gifting of something. He has conferred upon us by his grace in the person Jesus Christ. Praise the Father of this Son. Why? Because of how He has blessed us. 
because he has not just blessed us, but that word blessed there, in the Greek, it's perfect tense. And let me tell you why that's important, and I'm not just boring you with silly Greek. It's important because in the perfect tense, it means it is absolutely, fully completed and done. It's whole. To sum it up, in a quote, it's Jesus saying it is finished. We have been blessed perfectly. It's a, it's a free conference on God's part towards us. That's what he's done. It's what the father of this son has done. So blessed be the father who has blessed us. Now look at, look at what he's blessed us with. He's blessed us with a blessing. What kind of blessing? A spiritual blessing. Now isn't that interesting? It's not a material blessing, although we may be material blessed by our father. It is in Paul's Summation, a spiritual blessing. You know, when Jesus was on the earth, nobody came to him because he was materially blessed, did they? At the end of Jesus' life, what did he have? He had a robe and some sandals and they gambled over them. That was it. He was not a man of great riches. He was not a materially blessed man that we should flock around him and say, that's the guy I want to follow. No, he was obviously a spiritually blessed man in that he had a right and holy relationship with the Father. He was beautiful, but not physically beautiful. There was nothing about him, Scripture says, that we should look at him and want to follow him either. There was something of greater depth that made him beautiful, that made him blessed. Zacchaeus climbed a tree. Zacchaeus had everything he needed, humanly speaking, worldly speaking, but he climbed a tree to see this man who was spiritually blessed, who is in right relationship with the Father. And Paul says, bless the Father of the Son because He's blessed us with that spiritual blessing. And how much of a spiritual blessing, church? What does it say? Don't miss the qualifier. Every spiritual blessing. Are we shorted when we come to Christ? No. Did we get it all when we got Christ? We got it all. Was there some left for later on? No. According to Ephesians, the blessing was poured out by God the Father through the Son right there. We are wholly, completely, fully, it is finished, blessed spiritually with every spiritual Blessing. You don't need to wait for a few years later to graduate from JV to varsity Christianity and think that God will then download a greater amount of spiritual blessing. Paul says he's given it to us all. Now let me say this. We don't fully recognize it all in our relationship with him. In our knowledge of him, we don't get it all. There's a long way for us to go. The guy who taught me the Bible, he said, we get just about a thimble's worth of understanding in our humanity, to who God is and what He's done and how He has spiritually blessed us. But rest assured, He has fully and completely blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Amen? Could He do more? Could He do more than Christ on the cross? No. In Christ, the Godhead was fully exhausted. You got it all. You got it all. He held nothing back. Is that overwhelming? 
Is that amazing grace? It should, it should be. He held nothing back. He didn't, he didn't hold back anything from us. He gave us every spiritual blessing. We got it all. How? It tells us where and it tells us how at the end of verse 3. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Here's the how. In Christ. That's a phrase that if you see it again, I want you to mark it. It's a phrase that Paul's going to make popular in the letter to the Ephesians. In Christ, in Him, in Jesus, in Him, over and over and over again. You're going to find that attached. You're going to find it qualifying. You're going to find it added on. You're going to find it squeezed in. You're going to find it put on top, put below. In Christ is going to be everywhere. Every time you find it, mark it. Here's why it's important. Because it's another way that Paul takes the focus off of you and what you might be able to do and says, it's only through Christ. You should be saying by the end of verse 3, how is it that the Father, this blessed Father, Creator of this Son, could bless us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, meaning that I get what Jesus has now, who is risen at the right hand of the Father. He's there I'm as good as there as Jesus is? How is that possible? It's because we are, what's the phrase? We are in Him. We're in Christ. That's the only way, church. That's the only way. How how do you get blessed with every spiritual blessing? You get it because it belongs to Jesus. And you get it by being in Him. Wow. Wow. The Father did all that. The Father did all that. It was His plan from eternity. Now watch what He says next. Verse 4. How in the world, how in the world can the Father place us in the heavenly places, bless us the way He has blessed His Son? How can He give us all of this? How can He bestow such a spiritual blessing upon us? It's because of verse 4 in that He chose us. He chose us. A couple of things I want you to notice here. Notice that you did not choose him. And I'm going to give you a moment just to let that sink in and to chew on it and to chew on it and to chew on it because some of you may have never may have never considered that fact of Scripture, that fact of theology, you did not choose God. The Father chose you. Now, if we were pressed, maybe we would agree with that. But I'm convinced that day to day we might walk around thinking that me and God made a deal. Me and the old man upstairs, we struck a bargain. And it's by His grace, amen, it's by His grace that I am saved. But me and God somehow cooperated in on this thing. And somehow I had enough faith, I wised up enough from my youth to put my trust in Jesus. And I'll just tell you that the fact of Scripture is that you did not choose Him, He chose you. The evidence of Scripture is that left to yourself, you would never have chosen God. 
The evidence of the entire scripture is that we're rebels. We declared ourselves enemies against God. He didn't declare himself enemies against us. We declared ourselves enemies against him. We rebelled against him. We wanted nothing to do with him. We are trying to get as far as we can away from the light and into the darkness. The very doctrine of sin says that we are against him. We are rebels. Sometimes you hear salvation pictured in that we're drowning men and women, striving for this life preserver, and God throws it to us. He flings it to us in Jesus. But that's not quite accurate. You see, because that indicates that you want someone to save you. But the truth of, of the theology, the truth of the Word of God is is that you weren't even reaching up. One pastor said, it's as if you were drowning, but you didn't even know you were in water. And you didn't even want any help because you didn't believe you were drowning. And when the, and when the, the life preserver came, you cast it away because you have no need for it. That's the truth of the theology of our humanity. Where do we go wrong? In our theology. Is it our theology of salvation? That's not where we first go wrong. You know where we first go wrong? We first go wrong in our theology of ourselves. We think too highly of ourselves, but the Bible says that we are sinners. That none of us seek after God. That none of us smarted up enough to say, you know what, I think God is a is probably the best option out there. I think this Jesus deal is probably the the wisest thing for me to do. And I don't know about the rest of these idiots, but I'm going to take Jesus. And we put our hand up and we grab the life preserver. In and of ourselves, none of us, according to Scripture, would do that. None of us chose God. He chose us. Now, is that a complicated word? There are many titles that come along with what I'm talking about right here. Some call it the doctrine of sovereignty. Some call it the doctrine of election. That's what this this phrase that he chose us, it's it's that he elected us. Some call it um, the doctrine of predestination. Some call it uh, the doctrines of grace. Whatever you call it, it's here. Is it easy? No. Are there complications to it? Absolutely. Can we explain it all? I can't. Does Paul believe it? He sure does. Is it the truth of our situation? It is. Can we rest because of it? You can. You see, Paul is going to point you towards God. And he's going to say that grace is all about what he's done. Blessed be the Father of this one who sent and blessed us with every spiritual blessing, not in ourselves, but in who? Him. Pointing to God, pointing to God, pointing to God. In fact, He's the one who chose us. And how did He choose us? Did He choose you because of how handsome or attractive you are, sir, ma'am? Did God look down through eternity and see into the future and say, you know what, that guy right there, that's a good-looking guy. I'm going to pick him and I'm going to pick her. Or did He look down through the ages and say, now that guy... He looks like he'll be wise enough and sharp enough. He looks like he'll, he'll buy into this deal. I'll choose him or I'll choose her. Or maybe that guy because he's powerful enough or he gets it. He's got influence. I'll choose this one. That's not the testimony of Scripture. The testimony of Scripture is 
that he chose us. What's the phrase? In him. Or in other words, in Christ. What does that mean? That means that I didn't choose God. God chose me. Was it because of me? Was it because I did something, anything? No, it wasn't because I did a thing. It wasn't because I was impressive to him at all. It was because he saw us in the Son. And he knew what the Son would do. And in him, he chose us. Keep going. He chose us in him. When did he do it? Before the foundation of the world. Scripture says before you and I ever had a chance to do anything to impress him. He chose us. And he chose us in Christ. How could he, how could he choose me? I mean, if we're honest, we know the worst things about ourselves. We know the worst parts, not just about our outward activity, but our inward motives and our heart. We know the worst. And so if we're honest, we have to sit back and say, how in the world could he bless us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, place us at the right hand of the Father in Christ? How could he do that? He could do it because before the very foundation of the world, before I had an opportunity to do anything, he chose me in him. And so it's not about me. It's about him. It's always about Him. Salvation is not only from God, but it is through God. You get that? Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless. Here's the purpose. That we would be holy and blameless before Him in love. What you have there is a bookend from eternity past to eternity future with Jesus in the middle. How is it that he chose me in eternity past? In him. How is it that I get to stand holy and blameless before the Father one day in eternity's future? In him. You see that Jesus Christ is the link from eternity past into eternity future that makes this whole thing possible. That's grace. We're knee deep in it. And we're not very good swimmers. It's not because of us. You should feel overwhelmed and flooded by what the Father has done for you through Christ. Verse 5. How could He choose us in Him? Here's how. Verse 5, because he predestined us. And uh, if you don't like that word, tough. There it is. I, I can't avoid it. The word in the Greek is proherizo. We get the word horizon. Pro means before. Horizon is, it was a, it was a, uh, a marking. It, it's like drawing a line. When you look at the horizon, it's like a line. It's God saying that we were marked out before. Okay? Proherizo. How could he choose us before the foundation of the world? How could he, in relationship to us, elect us? Here's how. Because he has had an eternal and divine and sovereign plan from eternity past. And he sums that up in the word. He has predestined us. 
Now look what he's predestined us. Look what he's marked us out for. Adoption. Adoption. Now this is one of those times you just got to think to yourself, he could have said anything right here. And God could have chosen to have marked us out for anything right here. But the heart of the Father is that in Christ, before the very foundation of the world, before this whole thing went awry, He marked us out in Him, and He set this eternal, sovereign plan up that would mark us out for what? (laughs) Adoption? Not just adoption, but adoption as sons. Wow. Wow. God did that. The Father did that. Having nothing to do with me, He did that in Christ. That's what He did. He he wanted to adopt me, you. Yeah. And not because you were the cutest kid in the orphanage either. John Piper said it's because he went in there and he found the ugliest kid he could find. You say, well, that doesn't sound real good. That doesn't make me feel real great. Let me tell you why this makes you feel wonderful. Let me tell you why this makes the grace of God amazing. Um, you've heard of people who have adopted, maybe. Maybe some of you have family members who have adopted. I'm always impressed by, by the families, the couples that I hear decided to adopt. I mean, doesn't it just blow you? It just, there's just something about it you got to say. Whatever you think of that, those people beforehand, you got to give them credit. Man. Wow. But every now and then you hear a story of someone who's not just adopted, but they've adopted the one that was least likely to be taken home. Maybe they had an impairment. Maybe they had a, a troubled background. Maybe they had physical disabilities. Uh, Jack Kemp, our form, one of our former elders, he, he was telling me about, I think it's his, his wife and her husband. Is that right? Do you know, Cameron? Um, or maybe it's his cousin. Someone in his family, he was telling me a story that they, they're adopting, but they're not just adopting this perfect little child. They're adopting this child with significant medical difficulties. And, and he's telling me the story, and you're just wondering to yourself, what, like, I don't know that I have it in me. Now, you guys know I'm a Florida fan, and, uh, but I've told you before that I've got I to give Coach Mark Rick credit. I, I like him for a, ro- a lot of reasons. For one, he, he is a proclaiming Christian. He seems to live that out. Uh, from my connections there with the team, I, I hear wonderful things. But I watched a story one time about he and his wife deciding to adopt. And, and this is their story. I thought, wow, Coach Rick adopted one more reason to love the guy, even though he is a bulldog. But then the story goes that he didn't, he didn't just adopt the one that would fit beautifully into his family. He chose, he chose imperfection in eternity past in love he predestined us to adoption as sons 
It doesn't just say that he adopted us into the family and we get to be kids in the family. That'd be great. That'd be plenty, wouldn't it? But this idea that he's adopted us as sons, it means even more. What it means is is that he's put us not just in a category where we get to be in the family. He's put us in the category as grown children to whom all inheritance is due. Wow. You know, the Bible says that you are in Christ, in him. There's that phrase again. That in Christ, you become joint heirs to the kingdom. Now, what does that mean? Well, it not only means that you become brother or sister to the firstborn among many brethren who is Jesus, but it means as such, as adopted as a grown child of the king, you get to be brother or sister with Jesus. And when the will gets read, when the inheritance gets passed down, guess who can't take the inheritance all for himself? Jesus. (laughs) He deserves it. But as joint heirs with Jesus, guess who has to be there at the reading of the will of the Father? We do. We get equal share with Christ. Wow. Because he's marked us out to adoption as sons. Another prepositional phrase there. What is it? How does this happen? Lest you miss it, it's through Jesus Christ. Notice also who it's back to. Back to himself. Himself who? God the Father. He marks us out. He adopts us. Full-fledged joint heirs with Jesus. Sons and daughters. How? Because of me? No, not because of you. If it's because of you, that's not grace. It's amazing grace because you and all your junk and all your imperfections, the last one to be chosen, I'll choose you. So that you don't get any glory. Know that it's through Jesus Christ that you qualify. And through him alone. And now God says, I get you back to myself. What is the heart of the father? The heart of the father is to embrace his adopted children. So now you get to climb up on dad's lap. Just like Jesus. And you're just as at home in the father's embrace. (laughs) Wow. He predestined us to adoption as sons. He chose us through Jesus to himself. And in case you still have missed it, it wasn't according to anything you've done. It wasn't because you wised up. It wasn't because you were smart enough, powerful enough, impressive enough. He did it. Check this out. He did it according to the kind intention of his will. This is very simply the heart of the Father. <laughs> he, did it, he did it according to the kind intention of himself. You know, you know what sparks the love of God towards us? The answer is not us. The answer is, biblically speaking, the love of God is rooted wholly and completely in God himself. God does not love us us because of us merely he loves us because god is love he is the very definition of love you've heard me use this example before but think about someone you love get a name get a face you got that person in your mind 
My next question is, with that face in your mind, does that person love you? Probably. Think of another person you love. Think of three people. Think of ten people. We could go on and on. And when I ask the next question, does that person love you? Do they at least like you? The inevitable answer is they sure do. We love based on reciprocation, don't we? But that's not how God loves. God loves us because He is love. Agape love means that God's love has its foundation, its impetus, its cause, not in Him looking at us. And because of us loving us, He simply loves us. It is fully, wholly, and completely unconditional, unbased on us. It's sort of, kind of, just a little bit, a piece of how I love my sons. And I'll warp this table with my tears with how much I love my sons, no matter what they do. And you who have children, you feel the same way. But God loves us amazingly more than that. And it has nothing to do with us. You know what? Isn't that great news? Man, aren't you glad that it's not dependent on you? For the Father to love you? Aren't you glad that your daddy loves you no matter what? I mean, aren't you glad that the gospel is not about you impressing God? Because we all fall short of the glory of God. For we have all sinned. We've all missed the mark. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. Paul in Romans said, Wretched man that I am, who could save me from this body of sin? Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Glory to Him. Blessed be the Father of this Son who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing, all of it, chose us, predestined us before the very foundation of the world so that one day in eternity future we could stand before Him in Jesus, the one who got us there, keeps us there, brings us there, holy and blameless. Blessed be that God who has blessed us. Look at how he ends in verse 6. It ends this section of the run-on, exactly how our hearts should be left. To the praise of the glory of His grace. And you're going to see that repeated after he tells us next time what Jesus' part in this is, the provision of Christ You're going to see similar words. And then after the Holy Spirit, you're going to see similar words because Paul can't control himself. You read Romans 9, 10, 11 when he's talking about this. He foreknew and he chose us and he predestined us. At the end of it, Paul just bursts into worship. And it's not just glory to him. It's praise the glory of his grace. You see the redundancy here? Is he beating this horse sufficiently? Praise the glory of His grace. Underline His grace. You see where he's pointing here? It's all back to Jesus. It's all back to the Father. It's all back to the Godhead. And we just bask in the glory and we praise Him for His grace. And we say, wow, wow. 
He throws in one more qualifier here. If you haven't had enough, the end of verse 6. What kind of grace is this? Tell me something more about this grace, Paul. He says to end this section, it's a grace that he has freely bestowed on us. Did it cost us? No. He freely bestowed it upon us. Did you do anything to earn it? No. Did you do anything to solicit it from God? No. Did you do a great job and reach up and grab that flotation device before you went down? No. He freely bestowed it upon us. What's the phrase? In the beloved. Literally, it's in the son of the love. In the beloved one. And so it's not just in him, in Christ. It's the father saying. It's the father saying. This is my beloved son. In him, I am well pleased. In the spirit asking us the question, will you be found in him? Because in him, the father is well pleased. He is the beloved of the Father. And He has bestowed upon us, freely, mind you, His amazing grace in the Beloved. Read a, uh, read a comic one time in a newspaper. And it was one of those where it was just a picture and uh, it, was a, it was a lawyer sitting at a table and he was reading the will of the departed. And the anxious family was waiting around, <laughs> seeing what they got. And the smug lawyer in the uh, cartoon, he reads, So-and-so of sound mind and body, I spent it all. And you can just see on the faces of the family, What? That's it. He spent it all. And the commentator said, that's the exact opposite of what your heavenly father has done. In fact, Jesus Christ sits now at the right hand of the father as your lawyer, your advocate, making sure that your rightful inheritance is fully bestowed upon every one of you. Every spiritual blessing is yours as a joint heir because he died so that it could be enacted. And he sits at the right hand of the Father as your advocate, as your lawyer, making sure you get what you deserve. Knee deep in grace. Let's pray. Father, we only got through a a few verses of this run-on sentence. But I I pray that our spirits just can't handle anymore. I pray that our hearts and minds, frankly, don't have any words to describe what we've just heard from your word. Lord, I hope this is one of those times we just have to, we just have to sit And be amazed. I I hope it feels like 
the fire hose of your grace has just been unleashed upon us. And we're, we're drowning. We're swimming in your, in your goodness, in your love for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for, for blessing us. Bless you. Thank you for choosing us, for marking us out as sons and daughters for adoption in spite of ourselves. To the glory of your grace, to the praise of the glory of your grace, we pray. Amen. Amen. The gospel is indeed good news. And the truth is that it is from Him, it is through Him, and it goes full circle all the way back to Him. We're going to sing one more song just to give you a moment to think about what you've heard from God's Word. And let me challenge you. If you just need to sit and listen, don't worry about singing. Ricky can sing. You just listen. Let God speak to you. It may be that you've never heard such a thing as this. It may be that you've never heard that God's love from eternity past, before the very foundation of this world, before you were ever a thought, before you did anything right or wrong, God chose you. It may be that 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 amount of love, that amazing part of grace has never been clear to you. If this morning it is clear, we just, we just thank Him for loving you. We take this, these last few moments and just kneel before Him, if only in your heart, just kneel before the throne, the King, the Father, with Jesus at His right hand and just Thank Him for the provision. And here is salvation for you today. Here it is, from the Word of God. Place your faith in the provision of the Son sent by the Father so that you might be found in Him, not out on your own, so that one day you won't be standing before God by yourself, but you'll be found in Him and found pleasing in faith, with no boasting of your own. It may be this morning that God is pulling the curtain back in your spirit, giving you the very desire that is required to embrace Him in faith. If that's you, just give Him what He's asking for. Fall on your knees and in faith, Place your trust in the provision of Jesus for the payment of your sins. Turn from those sins. It's what the Bible calls repentance. Walk away from that sinful life. Turn your life now over to be ruled by Him. Live and walk blessed in love. Not by rules and regulations, but live in gratitude for what He's done for you. And that is salvation for you.